Guys, do you think, um, do you think the besties will ever be the Oscars of video games? Because I know that there's, like, a lot of outcry for, um, for a, a simulation of Oscars in this particular sphere. And I think if anyone's going to do it, I think we probably have the best shot. What do you mean by simulation? Like, we need something that auspicious and prodigious and litigious. A simulacrum, maybe. A simulacrum. Yeah. Uh, I think we probably would fit that bill. What do we need to do? We need to get John Travolta to make an ass out of himself. Poor John Travolta just has dyslexia. (laughs) I don't know why everyone's giving him a hard time. Yeah, that's the only reason he messed up. No, come on now. It is. He has dyslexia. Okay, but like... Are you telling me there wasn't a single moment when John Travolta was like, who am I introducing again? And the person was like, uh, Crunchlisham Lushlisham. Crunch Chocula. Crunch Chocula? And he was like, well. It's a lot to remember. I didn't quite hear you, but I'm just going to go with it. This is the wickedly Italian. What else did you say, Griffin, on Twitter? What he said was Adele Dazim. Which is like, you didn't even get a <laughs> syllable, my friend. And it had to be like I think I think the teleprompter person was goofing on him. No, no, it's a it's if you listen to if you think about the words Adele Dazim, it's like the perfect dyslexic reorganization of Adina Menzel you can think of. Like but the, Yeah, but like dyslexia shouldn't it doesn't get to your like Know who it is. Dyslexia? She was in Just fucking wicked and rent. Just know who it is. Right. <laughs> She was He's in got a, uh, guys, guys, guys. He obviously knows who she is. The, he he was in Greece. He is a huge fan of Olivia Newton-John. He just recorded a new hot Christmas song with her only like a year and a half ago. The man knows musical theater. What a hot I'm telling jam you, that was. Something, something else happened here. There's something more sinister going on. You're saying this is a plot to because nobody ha- has embarrassed John Travolta ever before. <laughs> no, I mean, it's he a, has an otherwise spotless career. Sure. Yeah. Look who's talking now. Look who's talking now too. I think it has yeah. something to do with airplanes and his love of them. Mm-hmm. Man, that dude loves airplanes. McElroy and I know the best game of the month. My name is Griffin McElroy, and no, I am the one who knows the game that's good this month. My name is Christopher Plant, and I've played some games this month. My name is Rush Rush, I know the best game of the week. could have sworn you were going into Lion King. You are at the perfect pitch. Thank you. Thank you. This is the besties where we talk about the latest and greatest in news tech. Uh, technical news. Uh, citrus fruits. Ro- citrus fruits. I've been thinking of getting into aquatic animals. How do you guys feel? Yeah, that's sea a great beasts. area for us to... Sea beasts. Uh, ocean romance. And mm. we've got... Uh, uh, this week we're going to talk about video games. Or vi- vid games. Now, I thought that those were just for kids. And it's. I thought it was only Pac-Man. Now, they're not just not just pac-man anymore they've come a long way since the bleeps and bloops that you remember from your cigarette stained childhood no these are (laughs) the these are true cinematic experience imagine now look at this look at this scene here 
you're not watching the latest Hollywood blockbuster. No, this is a scene from a video game. It uses CD-ROM technology. Super VGA. This is well, Super VGA. Where are the this ghosts? This isn't the latest Pixar cartoon. <laughs> this is a video game, interactive. This episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, we were talking about February uh, today, and there were... Um, I wouldn't say a lot of great games released in February, but there were games released in February, some of which uh, I, I would say ascended to the level of greatness. Can we fair, it's a much shorter month. Like, it is, it is like, short month. I mean, at least like 25% shorter than other months. Can we explore what would have happened if we were still doing the weekly uh, schedule oh, and we had this yeah. month? There had oh, to God. be a week there. There had to be a week there where... I, I think the four games that we have ended up with, we're still pretty contentious about. I know there's some that like not everybody loved. So like to think like there if there was a week where none of these four games came out, like what the fuck were we gonna, what were we gonna talk <laughs> like, about? Like no question about it, there would have been at least one week where one of us was like, I think the new Taco Bell web game Crunch Defender <laughs> is the best thing that there is. Or worse, we would have said Thief. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, no! Oh, I can't even think about gonna, it. I'm you so just sad. acted. You just said the kill phrase for the thief defense force. It's that I does not I exist. It definitely exists. I literally uh, <laughs> bought Thief because I thought we were going to play it uh, and talk about it on the show. And I got like three hours in. And I thought, man, I hope we don't talk about this on the show <laughs> because I don't want to play. <laughs> any more of this and then i didn't so uh, we, yeah, we I had played, it on the yeah go ahead i I, I played about 15 minutes uh of thief um and then and then i couldn't proceed um because i hit a game ending bug where i couldn't unlock a door and then i thought that's that's too crazy let's restart and try this again and then i hit uh the same bug with a different door <laughs> this is on polygon live we yeah, literally have live video footage of us getting to a point you can't get across and we thought yeah maybe it was just like 
a bug on our end. A one-time thing, yeah. A one-time thing. So we reloaded the game, and we hit a different door with that same bug. Should we... Can I propose that we actually do take a a few minutes here to talk about Thief? Because I think people listen to this show to, like... Why is Thief not here? Even though it's not, like, the best game, like, it's, it's... Fuck, it's fucking crazy. Like the way that game turned out, it's 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 bonkers that they it, made I a mean, game like that. Is it really crazy? That, that, I mean, that given all the like that, given... stuff that we heard, yeah. I get, no, I guess that, uh, for me at least, I tend to assume that because of the way the industry set up now is that if a AAA game gets worked on for many years and eventually is released, I I, I tend to think that it's just gonna be decent you know like maybe not exciting or innovative or whatever but like it'll be pretty good just because there are enough uh you know replicatable things that have been proven over time that people can include in a game that make it decent you know i think the problem with thief is that so much of it is uncharted territory right it's not like they're they're releasing a first person shooter where structurally you know the beats that make that a satisfying experience like Stealth first person is like what? not. I would Yo, wait a minute. Stop it. Territory. There's an entire what? fucking franchise this called Thief. This is the fourth game in the franchise. It's also so... known as Dishonored, another game that did first person stealth. Like they've been yeah, but like they did. Like Dishonored did it really good. Um, yeah. I'm, not, I, I'm not saying that it's not been <laughs> done before. I'm just saying it's not as easy. I agree that it's not the, as easy. I, so basically, I will rush to Justin's defense here too and say it's been a long time since uh, a good Thief game came out. And a lot has changed in terms of how we play games. And Dishonored is a perfect example of that, right? Like, they figured out a way to make stealth games kind of fast and more action-heavy. And the, the very first second you hop in Thief, it feels heavy and old-fashioned. And, like, I, I just think the game is married to both this, like, idea of what Thief was a long time ago and, like, whatever the else they wanted it to be at some point, I guess, in its development, which my, my I imagine biggest correct. Com- my biggest complaint is like all the defenses of this game is it's just pure stealth, baby. You don't get it because you you want yeah, you that's know, yeah. sword fighting and Terrible. guns, and that's such bullshit. Because you can play a game like Dishonored without killing anybody, without getting caught the entire time. You can play a game like Splinter Cell in that like super stealthy. Yeah, I, I mean, or God, a better had, like, from the same publisher, Deus yeah. Ex, which yeah. just got rebooted and did, well two years ago or three years ago, and did it. They did an amazing job. Yeah, and there's good a, stealth there's good and there's stealth. good action. You play a game like Far Cry Three, where like yeah, you are you're murdering a lot of dudes, but there's a really heavy and really rewarding stealth element to that game. Like you can't just say it. it you don't get it because this game's pure stealth. You wanted something else from it. Like I knew it was going to be a pure stealth game. There are games that did a better job of the one thing that Thief was supposed to do, like right. in addition to the other right. shit that it and, did. Like yeah. and if, plus, if that's going to be your one thing, it has to be on fucking be, point. Beyond that, it needs. If you if I'm not saying there has to be a component for uh, you know pure, an oh shit like, button con- combat like, the, but if you don't have one then it starts to feel extremely constraining. Like, uh, there would be times where, like, I w- the, the reason the loop worked in Dishonored is that both of the possible outcomes were satisfying. Like, I knew that even if I got caught, it didn't make me feel like I was a failure because I had another option for how to attack it. And Thief doesn't have that. If, if Thief, you uh, the moment you're spotted, you just feel like an idiot, like a stupid baby <laughs> with a bow. 
that everybody hates you. I think, and also, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go sorry. Ahead. I was just going to make one other note about the bow, and I know that this is more specific to me, but because there is such a shortage of arrows or, or that you can pick up and find, I was extremely discouraged from using the bow at all because I never knew when I was going to get my next, you know, package of arrows. Sure. So well, it, I mean, it you can buy me, those. There are vendors scattered. But I'm not going to spend money on a disposable resource well, and also when I need that money for upgrades. It's kind of hard to know, like, who's a vendor. <laughs> like, you have the main one in that sort of quest hub where you 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 get a, a few missions. Um, but sometimes, like, you'll see a dude on the street and, <laughs> like, you would have no way of knowing, like, yeah, he I has completely a giant... Missed giant barrel of arrows there for completely you. missed the vendor uh before the second mission just because i didn't see them and i'm not and in the hub world you can get caught so that like completely discourages exploration and everything i don't know yeah and then the focus the thing that's supposed to make you feel like a cool thief is a limited resource that you have to refill with items like i, I don't know it's just ugh, ugh. it was Nothing bought about it felt fun to me it was I, bought I, I want to I want to talk about the dishonored thing that you mentioned though, and it's the idea of it being it feeling good to fail, which I think is something that started with really like Grand Theft Auto series where things go wrong, but like that's the best part of the game. And in Dishonored, they nail that. Like I I love when suddenly like halfway through a mission, I had to drop the stealth charade and sometimes get like decimated by guards, you know, but going down swinging with that sword fighting mechanic, which was fun, um, and. I don't know. I, it just feels really weird to play a game now like that where when you fail, it, it just punishes you. Like, there's no joy in it. Um, also, I think I think the, the constricted movement in Thief, like, also is... I mean, it's a huge problem, and for me, it's the biggest problem by far. It made exploring the world just an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Um, but it also plays into this idea of if you get caught... I'm curious to hear, what, what do you guys do when you get caught in Thief? I'll let myself die. Yeah, I mean, that's it, or reload a save because, like, you can run away. It's you can't like. There's not like some perch that you can like easily locate and and scale up to because you can only run up certain walls. You can like try and put enough distance between you and the person so you can maybe find a closet to to dip inside. Um, but that's that's very context sensitive. Like, it's just like I don't know, man. I uh, it just uh, didn't. I mean, the big thing. I mean, we've talked about the combat and dishonor that we all liked, but the big thing that I love about those games and the thief games, the original thief games, was not even the like punishing stealth aspects. It was how open the world was. Like, here's this giant environment that you can explore, figure out the best way to like rob this bank. And um, in this game, they just clearly did not have the time or the resources. I mean, they had the time, certainly, but they did not, you know, given the fact that it kept rebooting the project, ended I, up not having enough resources to make this giant, like, each of the maps as giant as, like, a Dishonored map, for example. The actual stealing is just brutal. Like, walking into it, knowing that every room you walk into, you need to, like, go shelf to shelf yeah. to find the one coin or brooch or necklace that someone has left in that drawer is like the height of tedium. I would have, I would have gotten rid of the uh, the open hub world entirely. Like your game is divided into chapters already. Like just just fucking lean into it. Just make it like, just make it like, just drop me out at the start of the thing. Like show me a cutscene of you saying now you're gonna go rob a bank. Like everything in that the open world part i didn't i didn't actually i kind of like some of the missions it was just the overworld that just fucking killed me like it it was the uh 
I yeah. hated like finishing a mission because I knew I was about to get dropped in the middle of Stink Town again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was uplifting. Anyway, that's why we're not going to talk about Thief. <laughs> um, uh, so let's move on to the games we actually do want to discuss. Does that seem like yeah, a, that's a reasonable good procedure? I, first, um, first up is Jazz Punk. Game for I believe it's PC and Macintosh computer. Yaz, Yazpunk. Yazpunk? It's about the birth control thing that gets put inside of you, and then it controls your births, I think. Jazzpunk. Chris Plant, what is Jazzpunk? Jazzpunk is uh, an espionage game, uh, and that's pretty much it. You do a little bit of spy work, uh, you break into the Kremlin, you recover some documents, and then uh, then you beat the game. So it's like Thief. Yeah, it's basically. just like Thief. Except nothing like it. Because if you decide to break the game and, and disobey, there's all sorts of crazy, weird uh, hijinks to be found. And it, it's a funny game. It's kind of like Airplane. Um, in that it's riffing on a lot of the things that we're already familiar with in video games. Um, and, and yeah, I, and that it's hard. It's a hard game to describe. Uh, it is impossible. We learned this when we yeah. tried to do the the overview, which I don't think turned out super great. Just because, like, I don't know, man. It's like it's like talking about a funny friend of yours. Like, yeah, you're just gonna sound like an idiot trying like, to describe. He's so wacky. Like he always does these things you don't expect him to. Let me list off all the jokes that are in the game. Here we go. <laughs> Bullet points. Uh, I would say it's a it's it's abstract. It is as abstract as video games have gotten yet. It's an abstract first-person spy. It is the game, Bubsy, Bubsy 3D, the uh, new Bubsy 3D, the new Bubsy 3D of spy games. Actually, so I, what's... I think that's something we can talk about um, because I do think it will be difficult to talk about jazz punk. But I think we can talk about this broader idea of these games that are like weird meta commentaries on video games, but doing so in a really droll way, like Bubsy 3D. Where people are taking these, like... I mean, Stanley Parable is... Sure, yeah, yeah, totally. that, but there, there's this, like, new aesthetic that's, like, more riffing on 90s art. For a long time, pixel art was kind of, like, the, you know, go-to for indie, kind of, indie project. Um, and now we're seeing, like, this wacky, I don't know, distorted 3D graphics that are kind of, like, almost in six, Nintendo 64-esque, like maybe early PlayStation. Uh, and it's all about kind of glitching through things. It's, like... It's an awareness of how broken games were back then. Am I going really way into that? Well, I, what I don't want to do is for... I think there's a lot of people that are listening that literally have never, ever seen Jazz Punk because okay. I think it was sort of a minor release. So maybe just, like, painting a scenario sure. and, like... Like, for example, like, getting like, into... Breaking into the Kremlin yeah, and, like, the Yeah, at the beginning of the game, you are uh, in first person trying to break into the Kremlin. And there are all these people around who look like uh, 3D versions of the iconography on, like, bathroom signs, right? Or, like, Playmobil characters. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and you go up and talk to them, and all of them re- react in very strange ways. Um, often in, like, puns. Um, and some of them give you tasks. So... Uh, you might meet a guy who's dressed as, like, an informant, and he'll give you a ray gun, which you'll use to zap pigeons. And the pigeons, when they're killed, will turn into perfume, which, when you spray on people, uh, gets them covered in a hundred more pigeons. Like that, is like kind that of scene arc. in Home Alone 2. Sure. Um, and none of this serves any purpose. Like, you could skip all of this. There's no real reward, I guess, other than, like, achievements, which uh, I don't really get into. Um, well, and also because it's the funniest stuff. Right, that's yeah, the, the reward. Yeah, the reward is it's actually the joke. Doing it. 
Um, and, and there's tons and tons of it. Um, to the point where I didn't even... I didn't understand what the game was the first time. That's the first level, and I kind of just went through it. I probably and put like you should you should point. We should point out that side quest you just described is one of the more Tame. normal. Yeah. Side, like there's there's a, a mission where you're at this like Hawaiian resort, and then apropos of nothing, there's like a wedding cake sitting on a table, oh, and when it. you interact with it, it folds back on itself and reveals that there's actually a computer. <laughs> And then you dial into the computer and you play a, a multiplayer first-person shooter called Wedding Quake, where you <laughs> shoot people with champagne bottles and wedding cakes. And when you do, it says, like, matrimony achieved or things like <laughs> everlasting it, happiness. Like, Yeah, it's like the same density, I guess, the same density of humor dense, of, like, a Duke Nukem perfect. game, but, like, way Good. more creative and funny. And I'll, And not, like fucking base like yeah. look at the ass on that like right. not like dumb bullshit actual no, it's, like airplane is a really good example it's a mix of like sight gags and puns and just like really humorous unexpected stuff to the point where like seriously i can't think of another game that has as many jokes as this game has that are like still keep making me laugh on like a minute to minute basis. Yeah, See, I d- I just didn't think I didn't think it was that funny. I appreciated the silliness of it. Like I I appreciate that it's anything that's sort of off the wall like that and um, feels that sort of fresh. But like I I I didn't think it was particularly funny. I just thought it was kind of random and silly. I mean, and it that, was. It just didn't. I, you talk about a lot of jokes. I, I don't think jokes is like... It, it's not jokes in the, like, traditional... So, for example, there's a scene where you're running away from a bunch of FBI guys, and they're, like, blocking the alleyways, and when you knock into them, it makes, like, a bowling pen noise. And you keep doing this, and then eventually you get to a line of them, and one of the guys is an actual bowling pin in a hat. <laughs> you like that, you? that? Is that is that that? You know what? If you think that's hysterical, it explains everything. I, I also really, think it, it like airplane and like those movies of the seventies. It's it has so much in it that I, I read a number of reviews that were pretty negative about it. And the same joke was in every negative review where you see a turtle on the beach and you try to interact with it you throw a piece of pizza and two sighs at it and it's like oh get it it's the ninja turtles it's like yeah there there are a lot of easy you know kind of obvious pop culture jokes in the game but they happen with such like relentless frequency that like that in and of itself is kind of amusing like when you're still like sort of processing one joke another one is already like happening i'll tell you my favorite joke and this is not going to be funny at all but it just kept tickling me was at and i think like the second level of the game you find a blockbuster vhs uh box and you pick it up and then like when you're walking around you find a a depository spot for it so you like put it away but then throughout the game you keep coming across these for no reason like you're at a beach and you find another one and then of course there's like a depository in the middle of the beach and they serve no purpose and i, I for some reason that kept tickling me because i kept doing these stupid things thinking like oh if i do this i'm gonna get some great reward and the game's like does not it doesn't care it, it's just another dumb thing for you to do 
Um, yeah, it's a very it's very strange and doesn't really feel like any other game that I've played. Um, in the sense that like what is driving you through it is not the story, it's not seeing new levels, it's like these one-off ridiculous jokes that half the time make no fucking sense. You know, I would argue with that though. I I, I was pretty uh, pulled through by the story. Really? I liked seeing where it went with uh, my. The, the the head of my organization um, sure and i really really enjoyed the ending yeah which we won't get into uh because it, it's short i mean if you it's it's cheaper and it's short uh and it's worth playing through i think i liked um there are a lot of classic game references mm-hmm. which yeah. I, I i i don't know i feel like in a lot of games those are handled very cheaply mm-hmm uh, I'm amazed, actually, at some of the shit that they got away with. Like, there's a there's one part where like you run into fire, and then it makes the like golden eye damage noise, like the <sighs> like that noise, <laughs> and then it shows like the little ring of health and armor, just for like a split second. And it doesn't like belabor that joke. It's just like, hey, we're gonna use golden eye assets really quick. I also <laughs> I also sort of like the fact that you could go a little bit out out of the lines to solve like puzzles. So uh, around the same time that the scene that Griffin's talking about, you're trying to get through a door and it has like an ID scanner and you could find the ID of like a scientist that works in the building, but there's also a copy machine. And if you use the copy machine, you just sit on the copy machine and make copies of your butt. And you could pick up one of those copies of your butt and carry it over the scanner and the scanner will go, welcome Dr. Butley. And then the door just opens. <laughs> okay, why would a scanner be programmed to even do that? Because there's probably a scientist that looks like a butt. Yeah, Justin. Is that not okay? <laughs> there's You're also so close-minded. A, you also throw spiders in the face of a sushi chef. It's also pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, it really comes down to like a sense of humor thing. I, I also I, love how we've actually spent the last like ten minutes doing what I said was <laughs> terrible when you're describing funny games with just listing off our favorite jokes. Yeah, but like that goes to it. It really is such a sense of humor thing, and like if you don't find those jokes remotely funny, which if you haven't Justin laughed clearly... at the last ten minutes of our show, <laughs> it's because we're fucking describing jokes secondhand. Right. Like you got to go straight to the tap. Yeah. Also, Just that we even remember it. any of these jokes. How many jokes do you remember from most video games? Um. Yeah, that's true. Remember when some Portal g- said that you were fat? Matt Hazard got some good ones in. <laughs> got some oh, jabs oh, in. Dear God. Gosh. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll rat, you, uh, rat Race. I mean, that's rat the race standard, good. isn't it? That never got released, <laughs> Griffin. It's funny that we were the only four people who ever played Rat Race. And we <laughs> referenced <laughs> it constantly. Was it, was it in an overview? What was the... I talked with somebody about Rat Race, and we tried to get this narrative going. That there was a press-only version of Rat Race that got released, and only the press got to play it, and it was the funniest fucking thing ever made by anyone. The great thing about Rat Race, which is, if you don't recall, then you don't work in video games journalism. It was supposed to be like a comedy <laughs> game, and I don't know why, but the idea of Rat Race, I think because we got so excited about the possibility of tearing it apart, that like it seared into the mind of pretty much all game journalists who were working at the time. So like we were all so excited about Rat Race being released <laughs> because the jokes that were in the trailer for it were unfathomable. That's got to be around. <laughs> the trailer's got to be around. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We'll we'll uh, uh, we'll go look for it on YouTube or something. I want to talk about another game, uh, and it's the one that I've probably, if I were to like. Uh, completely calculated out is probably the one that I've spent the most time playing this month. 
uh, or at least in February, rather. And that is Threes, <gasps> a new puzzle game by I think it's a guy. Is a guy who made Spell Tower? Asher or puzzle Vol- juice? No, no, no. Like, puzzle Juice. Asher puzzle Vollmer juice. Right. made it, and the art is from uh, Greg Woolwind, uh, who did the art for a bunch of different games, including Ridiculous Fishing. Um, it is. Man, if talking oh, about Jazz Punk was difficult, this is going to be... There's <laughs> numbers and you squish them together. It's it's a puzzle game, which means the mechanics are pretty inscrutable to describe, but the, the short version is you have a, a grid with numbers uh, spread out across it. It's five by five, right? I think it's four, four by Plant, four. you're an expert. What do you think? I think it's four by four. No, it's not four by four. Wait, what is it? I'm, I'll, I'll no, it is. It's four by four. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. You're right. Four by four. Good work, Plant. Four by four grid in which you <laughs> slide the numbers around, and if two numbers are the same, then they will combine to make a larger number when you slide them into each other. Um, that is that goes for every number except ones and twos, which can only combine with each other. Uh, and the I, you get more points for higher numbers, and it goes exponentially. So if you have several. Uh, you know, 48s, for example, their value will be dwarfed by a single uh, 128 or 256 or whatever. Uh, also, you um, have to slide, you don't just slide individual numbers. You have to slide the entire board. So the entire game is sort of about just positioning the numbers to put them where they need to be to combine with the same numbers. Yeah. Um, and with every swipe you make, a new card gets added to the board. And when you get to a point where you can't make any more moves, then the uh, the game ends. The experience is over. It is. Uh, it's a really interesting puzzle game. Uh, large. First off, it's it's very addictive. Every time you lose, for some reason, I have it in my head that if I just had one more shot, I could do a better job. Um, the interesting thing about threes, though, is that unlike many, uh, well, like almost every video game, I would say, but especially puzzle games, like. I don't feel like I get necessarily get better at it every time that I play or even after several, several times. I mean, I've played hundreds of games with threes and I still frequently have games where I score less than a thousand points, which is very, just very very bad. bad. Yeah, that's terrible. For me, it's less about like, if I keep playing this game, I'll get better at it, even though that is happening. I I do like fuck up a lot. For me, I I actually approach it, and I think it's because it does have that really really strong score chase hook. I, I play it more like uh, Super Hexagon in that like man, if I have a good run by chance, like that'll be really great for me. So I'm gonna keep going until I <laughs> I win the threes lottery. Even though it is, I mean, it's not it's not luck based. I mean, I guess maybe a little bit in terms of like where the shit spawns, but. No, uh, I think it is. I think it is actually more luck based than uh, than most puzzle games because I, it is. No, yeah. it's not. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but I just like there's systems compl- okay, that are trackable. Okay, first off, when you swipe down and a new card enters the arena, it'll come from the top. It'll come. No. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, if you, you swipe down, it comes Every from time. the top. It comes from the direction uh, no, I don't, that you're swiping. Yeah, I'm not talking about direction. I'm talking about placement. Oh, yeah, which, sure. Which of the four columns it'll end up in, Yeah. right? That's random. Sure, that's random. I, I, okay. That, I think the thing... Also, of, the it's, number, it's only kind of random. It, it, it's 
not always clear which spot it'll come down from, but if you keep going in that direction, it'll keep coming from that spot. Oh, really? Yeah. I believe so. Crazy. I don't think that's true. Yeah, I don't um, think that's true either. Pretty sure that's true. It's so, unless, it's, unless it's full, in which case it'll move to a I, I get what you're saying, Justin. I think what has come to light, especially for people that have, like, really gotten hardcore into it, is that there's the, like first tier of playing threes which is okay i understand the rules i get like oh this is the upcoming number so i want to plan around that and then there's like the third and fourth tier of playing threes we which know is how to stat count where you're like counting cards and uh building into a corner like plant recommends in his tips video and that's really where the the luck starts evaporating to the point where people that play using these certain tactics are never essentially never having games that are under like 30k is that fair to say even even higher than that people yeah people have figured out once you like i don't know how to do this but it sounds like once you can do that stat counting tricks if you spend enough time like basically jotting these things down and managing your cards then you can go to i mean just absurd numbers right so i know what you're thinking at home jotting down numbers that sounds like a lot of fun (laughs) that's that's my my only problem with the game at this point is to get much better, it take it would be too much of a time commitment. I don't think that's bad. Like I think there are definitely people who love puzzle games like that. But for me, I got to a point where I was investing so much in a single round just to try to figure out new strategies. And at that, I'm just not much of a puzzle person. Yeah, that's when I lost uh, most of my interest. Was when I started seeing the insane high scores and like learning that there were these levels of tactics. Just because it was, it sort of made me feel like, oh, unless I do these tactics and like follow these guides, I'll never be able to compete on a casual basis. Uh, also, my girlfriend got like four times as many points as I've ever gotten, and that was pretty depressing. Same, yeah. My my <laughs> wife has blown my score out of the water, and like I'll pick up my iPad from time to time, like, well, let's take a run at it, and I, I won't even get close to. But it. but I, I, I like that's not to take away from the brilliance of how like the the reason this game was not only successful with like game nerds like us but also with just random like people that play candy crush is because oh, like dirty a re- casuals filthy casuals filthy casuals is because like a a really approachable art style which is also like surprisingly like very likable given like with like a lot of character to it and also just like clean simple gameplay like gameplay that does not require unless you get to that like higher tier stuff tons of like thought and process um and it's just like very rewarding it's like a very pure game and i I was reading i forget who wrote the piece it might have been ben kachera or someone else on our site i was reading a piece about how you know at one point the game was a lot more complex and they just stripped and stripped and stripped away these gameplay mechanics until you, you got to like the core thing that worked for this game and that is why it's so successful. And that's honestly why you see it at the top of the App Store charts and stuff like that. And that's really encouraging because the last 12 months have been a gut punch for mobile games because it's yeah. been like so much crap. It's I been think, cold out there. Yeah, it I, has. I think it shows a real maturity by the designer too because Puzzle Juice, which I, I really I really dug uh, and came out, I guess, this time last year, was fun. But, I mean, that was the definition of you know layering and layering yeah it was three it was three sort of puzzle game archetypes that they had sort of squish squished together into one it it was inventive and terrific but my favorite thing about threes is that they've essentially and i'm always impressed when a game designer can do this 
Um, I mean, it definitely fits into the puzzle genre. It's not like they've invented a new genre, but like it is definitely like a fresh new thing. Like it is yeah. a fresh new gameplay idea, um, and I think that's why it's so successful is because there there hasn't really been anything like well, it. Well, I mean, I think Triple Town is kind of similar. Mm, Would you say? No, it's somewhat. It is similar, but uh, I, mean, I, yeah, I think I, Triple I, Town I, I again agree. has it's a, very much its own thing. Um, it also has a lot. It is definitely similar, but I would say, again, Triple Town has a lot of, like, additional layers. For like, sure. if you boiled Triple Town to just, like, two types of trees or whatever, uh, it'd be a different story. But there's, like, it, they are different experiences. Yeah. And it's absolutely. interesting because if you look at Puzzle Juice, Puzzle Juice, the, like, boiled down of Puzzle Juice is essentially Spell Tower, which Zach Gage admits he made Spell Tower after seeing Puzzle Juice and thinking, like, hey, there's a simpler idea here. Yeah. And this, I know, I think Zach Gage, uh, t- uh, you know, is good friends with Asher, and they had talked about this, and for this uh, release, it feels like um, this was the t- good takeaway, was that, yeah, we're just going to boil down what works about a puzzle game and, and leave everything else on the side of the road. I just love that community. It's great. <laughs> I-, I love whenever we hear stories like that, uh, between these, like, this kind of band of indie developers, especially with Gage, where it's like, hey, I noticed that you're really good at doing these things. What if you did this, this, and this? And people actually taking those notes um, and finding obvious success here with threes. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, my hope is that we'll see more of these types of games on iOS. But again, I just, like, it's such a flash, like a crapshoot right now. And getting past the tier of um, free-to-play games is so brutally difficult that, I mean... It's just like I know so many people that put out games and they just get buried, and that's why they're moving to Steam Should, and Mac and Humble Bundle yeah. and stuff like that. Should I'm we talk so about thankful that? Thankful this game does not have, uh, <laughs> does not have uh, downloadable microtransactions. Like, microtransactions. Oh my god! If, there are certain scenarios where it's like you know, for just forty dollars, <laughs> I could slide you one twenty-eight right in there. That wouldn't even be an issue. <laughs> yeah, they could have done it easily. But Should we talk about that during halftime? Because it, it is something that I've noticed. Like, I I I feel like last year, and especially the year before that, my iPad was m- like my most played gaming device. And no kidding, I go entire like weeks and weeks and weeks now without picking that that thing up. Yeah, it's um and yeah is it just drying is it just drying up like you said like are those developers just moving on to i'm not saying that there aren't like good games that are being made for it but not like the the i don't know not like the games that were coming out like uh i don't know like field runners 2 or or kingdom rush or shit like that that i would just like play incessantly every single night until i couldn't stay awake anymore i think three years ago people were like oh i mean uh, yeah, I would say closer to like maybe four years ago. It was like the Wild West, and every you know any decent game that got put up on the App Store did pretty damn well. Like that's how Angry Birds ended up being such an enormous success, is because there really weren't a crap load of amazing, like well put together games on the App Store. <laughs> because um, Crash the Castle didn't look very good. I mean, that's a hundred percent right. Yeah. It didn't like <laughs> they realized, hey, maybe if we make Crash the, Crash the Castle look pretty, <laughs> it'll sell better, and it kind of <laughs> did it. Yeah, kind it kind of did a little a, bit. A little bit, a tad. <laughs> they found a they they experienced a financial windfall, kind of. <laughs> a little bit. So you had these people that were like making, I would say, quote unquote, legit games, um, 
with a lot of like thought and um, wanting to provide a lot of value for not a ton of money. And then free to play came along and it was discovered that, oh, we can force people to throw down instead of spending one dollar forever, throw down twenty dollars every month because they want extra turns in Candy Crush or whatever. Um, suddenly, right, but I feel, I feel like, here's the thing. Like, I feel like that element has always maybe not always, but like for, for a while now it was that way. And people were still making good games in spite of the fact that like there was this gnarly free to play shit going on. People were still making games like punch quest. Yeah. I just, well, I, a punch quest is a good example because like they had a real difficulty, like setting themselves apart and making and they that didn't profitable. Make, they didn't make much money on that. That game was kind right. of financial. Yeah. Exactly. And, and this all has to do with the app store, the structure of the app store, which is to say like, Games that are making a ton of money. You you have two lists. You have the free-to-play list, which is just like all free-to-play games. And then you have the paid games list, which is dominated by stuff like Angry Birds and Minecraft and stuff that are known. And so it really does not give a lot of room for new games to set themselves apart. Yeah, I, I think it's two parts. I think one is just the entire structure of the App Store makes it almost impossible to find things. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it is abysmal in terms of, you know, curating things you would actually I don't do want, it. I, I go to I go to our site I go to like I'll go to like Touch Arcade I'll go to like websites that list sales of of games and like go through that but yeah I I don't think I have found a game on the App Store that I hadn't heard of already and was like oh I'm going to give this a shot exactly like, I actually think there's a broader I, I think there's another issue here that's hampering uh mobile gaming and I think it's how it's tied to uh uh coverage from the media um, to, to walk you guys through like sort of what the timeline has looked like for people who work in game journalism. There was a period, uh, I would say about two years ago when it seemed like the, the industry was sort of shifting towards mobile gaming. And all of us knew that what we needed to do was find a way to cover that space better and cover it more. Um, what, what we found is, and, and Russ, you could probably speak to this better, but, what we found is that most people don't want to read extensively about uh, a game when they could just buy it themselves or maybe it's free and they could just get it. Yeah. So the idea of reviewing, you know, putting the time and energy you put into a normal game or like a mainstream downloadable game or whatever, to, uh, the idea of doing that for a mobile game doesn't make sense because, you know, it, what's it cost? A dollar, two dollars, three dollars. So the for us it didn't people didn't want to read about mobile games like they just want to buy them and play them and so what it meant is that we stopped making as much coverage of that because uh it it's really not how people want to take in games media and so it becomes harder for the really great stuff to get much uh much heat i think just by nature of how that platform behaves and how like the the quantity of games that are being released on it every nanosecond that that sort of role that may have existed two years ago of like we need to review these games so we can tell you whether a game is bad or good i feel like it has now changed into and there are definitely still websites that are that are you know doing that um that are reviewing you know most of the big new releases that are coming out but i feel like that role for for most most you know for lack of a better term general sites like ours um, has become almost one of like a curation yeah. of like if there if there's like a standout you know knockout game, then you try and give it the the coverage that you can. 
Right, but um, you can't do that on a regular basis. Uh, uh, trust me, I know for a fact you can't do that on a regular basis, like a weekly basis, because there aren't enough standout exceptional games on a weekly basis. I know that because I did a weekly recap show of mobile games, and it's brutal. I so the only way you can do is like every also, once in a while highlight a game like Threes. It's also hard because unless a game is a known quantity, there are so many things released that it, even if you release the best game in the world, unless it has a groundswell of support behind it, of, of people um, you know, playing it, enjoying it, it doesn't really get elevated to the point where you, 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 know, you find out about it. So how do you apply like a fair standard across the board? You can't review everything that comes out. And so you have to wait until something gets popular. And then once it's popular, it's like, why write about it? Everybody and, already knows about and it. And if we were to review mobile games and like, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm being snobby because like I, I still really do love when a really great mobile game comes out and, and we play it. My, my, my least favorite trend in that space, actually, more even, I think, than free-to-play, because like I can just not give you money for free-to-play games. Um, my least favorite trend is this idea of we are going to adapt perfectly AAA experiences. We are going to adapt this first-person shooter and make it a, a first-person shooter on mobile, right? So you, you do that, and even if by, like, some miracle you are able to make something like competent if we review that game it's not going to be as good as like that experience is on the platform that it's supposed to be do you know what i mean like yeah if you were to take a game like deus ex the fall for instance like that is one of i think one of the better adaptations of a I don't know what word to use here. Like a traditional three, console game. A three-dimensional, like, action-adventure game. Yeah. Where you, you, I think movement in 3D space in most tablet-based games is, you know, kind of a tough putt anyway. I think that's one of the better ones. But if you were to, like, if that, if Deus Ex of All came out on, on you know, PC or on, on PS4 or Xbox One or 360 or PS3 or whatever, like... It's not a very good game, like comparatively. So, like, how do how do you go about talking about those experiences? Do you have to like put in the caveat of like this is a good game that you can play on your iPad? I think part of the problem for that too is there's no first party development for the system, right? If you if you, and I'm sure I'm going to get bullshit for this, but if you look at even Nintendo and the DS, right? The games that really felt like they belonged on that system were made by Nintendo, and they were made to push that system. They were made to take advantage of how that system behaves, essentially. Uh, and, and they wouldn't really belong anywhere else. And I think there are, especially indie developers, who are developing for the iPhone as just an iPhone, right? Well, but, I'd also say that's, that's what Infinity Blade is. Sure. Yeah, I, 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 and, that, I, and that's probably the closest they actually have to a first-party developer. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, EA has, like, a, a shitload of games on there. that it, Some of them are, like, that same idea of... It's going to be a hardcore console experience on your phone. Like, I always get super hesitant when I hear that. But they are, I mean, God, like, I, I mean, I guess PopCap developed it, but, like, Plants vs. Zombies is sort of the, that is, like, a game that works exactly on right. on mobile. There are a lot of, there. Are, I don't have an easy solution here, but I think you have to lay a lot of the blame for this at Apple's feet. They had, at one point, the most vibrant, exciting space in gaming and they did like nothing 
to sort of support and prop that up and curate it and and make it uh, uh, something really special. I mean, it it happened almost in spite of Apple, um, and there there just wasn't the interest in making that. I mean, there were some half-hearted attempts, but nothing to sort of make that space uh, and and sort of keep it. Uh, as as special as it was for yeah. a while. Well, what, I'll, what I'll say they're doing right now, uh, they're doing two things. One, they're curating their like home homepage of the App Store, which isn't terrible because I do actually find games that I'd never. No, it's gotten of. way way better, and they are, yeah. they are actually doing a decent job of like if a game comes out, giving it like the hero treatment at the right. top. So I'll also, definitely find games there. The, uh, the other thing I wanted to say Apple's doing, which you may or might not realize, is that they're paying a shitload of money to companies like EA to ensure that Plants vs. Zombies 2 comes exclusively to iOS first. Which um, isn't good for us. It's not like I've got a I know, I know. fucking it's like HTC us, One. It's not like, thanks, guys. I would thanks just say they, re- they know, like, Apple as a company realizes the importance of gaming. Yeah. They've so, also done a good job of developing out and supporting uh, Game Center, which like I find a yeah. lot of games through. Yeah, um, I, I I do think before we, before we wrap this up, it's really worth uh, recognizing that we're also not the audience. I I think no, I know that the audience. Well, I, I'm but I didn't believe that for a long time. I thought I was really gung ho about the whole you know mobile iOS movement, and and I thought like oh they get it like they they realize this is a vibrant scene for games and yada yada yada. I think they feel like they're doing a good job for the type of games that they are providing, right? Like, there's a whole separate world out there of people who want these sort of clash of clones, uh, whatever games, and, and they have created an environment that is rich uh, and fertile for that. It, it's just, I, I, if you look at a site like Touch Arcade and you look at that community, uh, and, and this is kind of lumping them all together, I apologize, but... It's a community that one pretty much wants to play their games on mobile, maybe hasn't played a lot of these games like Grand Theft Auto that are coming out uh, on mobile for the first time. They, they didn't play them on PlayStation. They appreciate how cheap these games are. Um, yeah. A lot of them are kids who, you know, they only have, they have a, a limited budget, so this is like a way for them to get 20 games a month. Uh, I, it's, it's just a very different community than I think most of the people who probably read our site. I just think I, I I think the biggest reason why I don't play it my my iPad as much as I did anymore is because like I feel like there was this golden age and it apparently wasn't super long where people were developing games for that platform. They weren't trying to like either they, they weren't trying to move these other experiences that you might have on what you would consider a more hardcore platform and then sort of squish it down onto it. Um, and I, I, there are definitely still people making games for for touch-based platforms. I think Threes is a good example. I think one of my favorite games that came out was uh, 868 Hack, which is like, yeah, like, yeah, that experience is, works really well for a touch-based mobile platform. Um, I just feel like there used to be a lot more games like that that were coming out. And maybe those developers got pushed out by the free-to-play stuff. Uh, maybe they just realized that there are more lucrative platforms for those kinds of, of games. Like, I don't know how well 868 Hack has done, but it's a $6 game on the App Store that doesn't have, like, that brand recognition. Like, I, I imagine, I don't know. I don't want to speak out of turn. Maybe it is actually doing okay just because it's came out during sort of a wasteland period. But I just yeah. want there to be more games like that. Yeah, I completely agree. You know a game that's not at all like that? What's that? 
Strider. I, uh, sorry, before we move to Strider, can we just take like five or ten minutes to talk about something light and halftime-y that's not that intense? <laughs> yeah, sure. iOS conversation. Um, I went on vacation over the month of February. That was maybe my best game of the month was not playing games. I was on an island somewhere. Where'd you go? I saw I went, your island on an episode of The Bachelor. That's where yeah. I went for the fantasy suites. I know. So St. Lucia? I went to St. Lucia. Uh, I'm really thrilled that The Bachelor did not announce where that they were where they were going until after I got back because <laughs> I wouldn't make it look like you did like a bachelor tour. Pretty Oh, this is where Marco Oh shit, I don't actually know his name. What's his name? <laughs> it's not Marco. Marco. Is it Marco? Juan Pablo. Juan Pablo. Uh no, so I went to St. Lucia and I'll admit when I went I was sort of hoping for the weather to be really bad back at home because otherwise you don't really get your money's worth. Right. Little did I know. Unless others suffer. Well, right, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, apparently I wished upon like a terrible week straight of snowstorms on everyone at home. Thanks for that. So, well, I mean, I live in Austin. You're probably fine. I had had a nacho storm. But it is a little weird. Like, it's not only weird, like, looking back at weather, but also weird looking back at like the like chaos of like video games and, and all that stuff when I'm, like, totally disconnected from it. What 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 week of video games did you miss? I don't... Whatever was going on that week. There's always fucking... That, that's the thing. There's always, like, bullshit that we're all, like, obsessing about and think it's a big deal, and then you get a little bit removed from it, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's... That's it's fine. Like, I've been wasting my life. <laughs> right. It was a little bit eye-opening. I've, been, I've been, like, calorie by calorie, button push by button push, I've been using my precious life seconds on an electronic pacifier that does not love me back. <laughs> when I could just be sipping from a coconut. <laughs> I could be I could be doing you could be living the island living the uh, island dream. You find instead. a sinewy native boy and do cocaine out of his belly button. I could be doing that instead of like flipping <laughs> cartwheels and getting bonus bananas. Like fuck me. <laughs> fuck my career. Fuck this hobby. Uh, yeah, how about you buy how about you spend five hundred dollars on Xbox One? That's cool. I'm gonna spend ten dollars on a hammock and just like <laughs> fucking chill out. Uh, I'm so glad that Jason Mraz could join us on this episode of the best <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was pretty much my takeaway. Uh, moral of the story, go on vacation if you can. You don't need to go somewhere you didn't far. Bring your, you didn't bring your 3DS or anything with you? I actually did bring my th- 3DS, and I played five minutes of Bravely Default, and within the first five minutes, they're like, oh, no, the power crystal has been corrupted by a dark force, and I'm like, delete. <laughs> that game. Man, I completely forgot about that game. I completely forgot. Like, I played probably 25 or 30 hours of that game, and I completely forgot about it. I like the combat system they're trying to. I like the combat man, system a lot. JRPG storylines give me a. Fu- anyway, it was. So, I'm glad that I didn't get hooked into it because oh, it really man. let me just it totally makes you, disconnect. It makes you. It is insane how much that game makes you do the same shit over and over again. And I didn't even get that game is divided into chapters, and there's one chapter where you have to go to these four places that you went to already during the course of the game, and you have to beat a boss in those four places, and then you have to do it four times over. All four uh, places, four times over. Like, I didn't even get to that part, and I thought it was one of the most repetitive. I, I was very, very disappointed by Bravely Every uh, Every month we ask you listeners to send in uh, what your favorite games of the month were. We actually had a couple. We call those the resties, by the way. Uh, we had a couple of people who said that Bravely Default was their favorite. Uh, Matthew 
said, uh, Bravely Default was a weird one. The first 40-odd hours were incredibly streamlined JRPG. Uh, it was highly enjoyable. And then as soon as the story picked some of its Groundhog Day-esque intrigue, the gameplay became stale and padded. Uh, however, I still managed to enjoy the entire game all the way through. John said it's a wonderful game that reminds me of why I love the first Final Fantasy games. It so definitely it, it has a lot of that. I, I, I liked a lot of it. I, I really did. The the I love uh, RPG systems that let you sort of evolve your class and combine these these different uh, uh, archetypes to create your own strategies and stuff. And I really did think that the combat system uh, of you know using the brave and the default options to <laughs> to get ahead and bu- no those, those are really <laughs> that's what they're in, called <laughs> that's what they're called. Um, uh-huh. I really did like a lot of that. It's just like I I also. I, to balance that out, I despise it when RPGs just like don't treat my time as valuable and think they can get away with it just because like, it, hey man, it's an RPG. It's supposed to be fifty hours long. Like, yeah, not if you make me do the same shit over and over again. Like, once I reached a point where I realized that I'd been doing like chapter to chapter like the same stuff of like go here and beat this guy. Oh, you beat this guy. Now you have a new class. Now go here and beat this guy. Oh, now you have a new class. Like, it just, man. Yeah, and while that was going on, I was floating on my back in 70-degree ocean water drinking a pina colada. Just chilling. You didn't miss anything. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want. Get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rockamoney.com slash besties you go get a phone you just want a phone to talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech you know the contract may sound good uh, up front but there's always some sort of catch you know who's not going to do that to you not going to pull that nonsense mint mobile they're wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills. 
the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com slash besties that's mintmobile.com slash besties cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see mint mobile for details uh, I, what you might have missed is a game uh, called Strider. Strider. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'll talk about Strider because um, I played through it twice for some reason. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. I did. I don't. I'll admit why in a little bit. I'm a little embarrassed to say, but um, Gee, I'm gonna. Can I? Oh, let me consult the magic crystal. <laughs> Achievements. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, that's gross. Anyway, Strider uh, is a side. I love that you just spent this time talking about how you just like fucking I know. shed your game. Well, skin I came back like, to New York and my empty it. crust of a life was here, so I was like, oh, I better get just, a platinum trophy. Just, like, dig your bubbly just climbed into the chrysalis, <laughs> wrapped up tight, digging your bubbly toes into God's sand. Yeah. You are the Lord of the Skeksis. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that more than once. Um, yeah, Strider's a side-scrolling. Uh, Metroidvania game inspired by the original Strider, which is like an action-y uh, game from the NES era. Uh, also an arcade game. Also, I think, a Genesis game, but you know, only jerks had Genesis. Um, and Strider is made by Double Helix, uh, makers of things like uh, <laughs> uh, and Earthworm Jim. Okay. And all the Matrix games that you love. Don't confuse people. There were a lot of goofy 1990s, early 2000s, like, people who made tie-in games. And then they merged, and they became this super beast uh, that has done Killer Instinct and Strider, and recently got bought by Amazon. So, like, I would say, uh, I think uh, there were a bunch, you know, no one really knew what to expect from this studio called Double Helix. And the last two games have been pretty good. Uh, Strider does a good job. It's a Metroidvania, which doesn't happen very often. Maybe we get, like, two a year. And um, I really enjoyed it. What I will say, and I'm sure Plant will echo from the heavens, is that it's far from an exceptional game. I would say any other month it probably would not have made this show. uh, Because, you know, the story is, like, a fucking joke. Non-existent. And, And there's, like... Like, the art style is, like, very forgettable for the most part, except for certain elements. Um, it's, But it's a fun, you know, throwback game. It just doesn't really try too hard, which is probably the reason why it's, like, relatively enjoyable and fine. I think uh, they sort of knew their limitations as a studio and, and wor- worked with that rather than uh, really trying to expand what a, a Metroidvania game was. Um yeah, uh, the, so the funny story about why I played it twice, I played it through once on hard because I tend to play Metroidvania games on hard because I like to collect everything and then I'm super powered up and that's the only way for it to be a challenge. So I beat it on hard and they gave me, I played on PS4 and they gave me all the trophies and everything like that, but they did not give me the normal trophy for beating it on normal. What the f- That <laughs> makes is me the biggest angrier than- shit ever. Oh my God. And I was like, oh God. So I but sprinted through it. It took about two hours to beat it on normal. Uh, to get the platinum trophy, and um, I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but I, I, you know, I think the game does a few good things right. Um, 
I think the upgrade system is smart. They like have this system where you're upgrading your sword with different like types that you can switch with the D-pad. And one of them like reflects bullets back and one of them does like fire damage and one like freezes guys and one does like magnetic long range damage. And that was kind of interesting because you are like switching between those types a lot in combat scenarios. Um, yeah, it has some neat ideas later in the game. Yeah, it takes uh, a little while to warm up, I would say. Uh, there's a a boss that has his own gravitational pull that you have to to fight. That's pretty neat. Um, and there's there's some other stuff that's kind of cool. It's mainly a throwback. You know, it's mainly the the uh, a nostalgic trip for people who uh, love this kind of game. But if you it, like Russ said, if you don't get a lot of them, um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's also really good for if you're somebody who doesn't want to sit down and like play a gigantic like four hour long block of a game yeah. if you just have a little time to to play uh it's really good for like my wife was on call last week which which meant she was getting calls from the hospital a lot and whenever she would get a call i would just you know unsuspend my xbox one session and play you know 10 minutes 15 minutes and then uh put it put it back away it's there's it's pretty easy to uh you know remember where you're at and what you're trying to get to because it's pretty clearly located one thing I would say to counter myself on that, and this is something I didn't learn until someone told me, uh, the game will frequently say like checkpoint. Yeah. And that and it is not <laughs> it's not that. Yeah. It is not, it's not a, a save point. point. Yeah. It's not a save point. That's you cannot just turn if you die. off the game and come back to it. The only things that are save points are the uh, the little rooms with the sphere that refills your health. Those are the only things that save it. Otherwise, the game doesn't save. And I lost two or three times. I lost like a good amount of progress because I did not realize. Could that have been that issue. much progress. Those save points are pretty frequent. Yeah, but if you didn't go through one, you know, if you were doing like, I think I had, uh, you know, like a lot of games of this style, you get a power and then want to go back through some of the previous levels to find oh, uh, yeah. collectibles you couldn't get before. So you know, I I had been avoiding. I hadn't gone through the progression, the normal progression that oh, I see. one of those. I was yeah. just looking for power-ups. I feel like you can f- feel the game's past uh, within it, that, that this is a game by, made by people who know how to deliver uh, a property and do like hit hit all the things, the action items that people expect. It just felt it felt really, really safe. And, and I not necessarily in a bad way, it just felt like they took uh, 20 proven ideas and really did not worry about getting hung up on, on the details that I think might um, impede people who have, I guess, a, a little bit of a higher ambition of what they want to do. Like, the design of this world. Uh, it, it There's just things randomly strewn everywhere that you're climbing on. It does, yeah. Nothing about the layout of this thing makes sense other than it being a grid that you use uh, to find items in. Yeah, uh, um, to make a good, as a, uh, exactly what you just said, to make a good example, with a game like Shadow Complex, which I think is probably one of the best, um, if not the best modern uh, Metroidvania game that's been released, Shadow Complex has a lot of elements where you're, uh, the game is sort of encouraging you to break the world using the tools at your disposal. Things and you like, absolutely can. You can jump the, hours right. ahead in that game. If right, foam guns right and stuff like that. And you could like get upgrades that you couldn't get before by doing <laughs> that stuff. And uh, Strider never, ever does that. Like there are uh, one or two times where you have to like creatively use like 
ice kunai to like freeze some robots in air to jump on them. But for the most part, it's like very clear how you get to like all the unlockables and all the like upgrades. And it, yeah, as Plant said, totally 100%. It feels safe, Um, which isn't a bad thing. Um, I think it's the reason why, you know, it's relatively like easy to play. Uh, the The other thing that kind of put me off a little bit was what Justin just said, which was how guided it is. Like they literally not only tell you where to go, but give you the direction and the distance to your waypoint. Okay, but I I I love that in a Metroidvania Me game where like you you it it makes sense to get lost and explore the environment because maybe you'll find a health or energy upgrade, and then you do that and then you go ah well shit like I got this thing but now I forget where I was supposed to go. Especially in a game like Strider, which has you like returning to areas you've already been to get through the one door that now you can get through sure. because you oh. have the right attack. Like if you didn't have that waypoint. And I can say this like pretty conclusively because this is how like every Metroidvania game ever has behaved. Like you just have to either wander around until you find it, or or you know keep in, in mind constantly like the your orientation of where you're supposed to supposed to be heading. Right. I also don't think they had any option because again the levels are just these like it's just a ton of platforms, so you could get lost really easily. There's no real. Um, direction or guidance in, in the, the layout or the architecture of the game it, you know it's just okay i need to go diagonal up into the east you know yeah um, uh, yeah what, what yeah. a few games have done in the past is instead of giving you an exact waypoint they sort of give you a region i think Metroid prime did this where they'll be like go in this area there's something here relevant and i think i would have preferred that if only because at least then i feel like i'm exploring and like finding something rather than literally being dragged by the nose to find like the exact door I need to go through. Um, Gavin, a listener uh, said that he really liked the game, but he has had some difficulties with the challenge. He said, uh, I'm dodging and cartwheeling directly into enemy bullets and blades. Maybe I'm just stupid. Maybe it's time to quit playing games forever. (laughs) I think that's a mature way to handle it. (laughs) Um, I, I, I have run into some sections where, uh, that that are challenging. I don't die a lot though because it there there aren't a lot of situations where you know y- you would have to run your head into a wall pretty fiercely uh, to to actually die without backing up and refilling your health. It's it's uh, there aren't a lot of enemies that do massive amounts of damage. Yeah, I I, I put it on hard and I I think if you get if you're like obsessive about getting a lot of upgrades, it's really doesn't get too difficult there were a few bosses that killed me a handful of times but i didn't find it over uh super punishing yeah um yeah i really like how fast it is we talk about how derivative the ideas in the game are um but there really aren't a lot of games and especially metroidvania games that are this like fast like you you don't have to wait between attacks like you can just like fucking jam on that button and the faster you jam, the more damage you're going to do. Like it makes it, it's it's a you know it's a relatively simple mechanical idea, but it really does change how the game feels. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen a, a more thoughtful combat system. Like I thought, um, Guacamelee did that like really well. Oh yeah. Um, and this game, I, I mean, it's a little bit better than I would say Metroid, which doesn't really have any system apart from just like shoot guys. Um, but it's still pretty basic. Uh, it's yeah. like 
charge attack to get through shield. It's all very solid. I would say for me, like, I don't, because of a couple of things we talked about. One, the narrative is absolute throwaway, like non-existent, basically. And a lot of the powers weren't that interesting to me. Like, they didn't, uh, I, I didn't think that they were that exciting. I don't feel like a huge push to to actually finish it. Like, I think it's, I think it's solid, but uh, not particularly thrilling. I think that there's, it, 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 it is a little short on greatness. It's just very, it's all very, like, competent and not crappy. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Again, as I said earlier, like, I think any other month it probably would not have made the cut. Um, but I think it's a totally serviceable game that, you know. Okay, so what is, what, first, what's, what's broken inside you? that you would want to play a serviceable game twice. I don't know. <laughs> where, where did where did, the, where did the little puppet Russ I have no get idea. What's so weird, Russ, is that I do have a moral compass for these things, which is to say I will not play games like Avatar on 360, where it was like really easy to get all the achievement points, or uh, guard, you know, whatever, open season. Like, I won't play <laughs> the games. Do you want to know the real reason that he did this? Because I can tell you. He's, he's ducking around it right now. What? It's because I don't, you had already started it, and you have to have it 100%. No, that's not true. Come on. No, it's not Come true. On. I only do it, I only do the, like, achievement hunting stuff for games that I enjoy playing. And I, I really, I mean, I enjoyed my place as myself playing Strider. Um, to give you an, another idea, uh, over the weekend, I um, platinumed a game called Velocity Ultra on Vita, which is, like, yeah. a super hard game, but also super satisfying. Like, those are the games... Usually, those are the games that I obsess over. Spelunky. But you know, it's not an achievement. You know, you beat it on hard, so like you know, you could beat it on normal. Like you, yeah, the, the game ripped you off, and you returned <laughs> to it with open arms, saying, "Please, just let me play I, you again." You know, the real thing is that, like I kind of ignored uh, trophies for the whole like PS3 era, but now that I have a PS4 and uh, a Vita, I kind of feel weird not having any platinum trophies so yeah. i was like oh i'll add one to the mix i've only It'll got a few only take a two hours i've got oh. a bunch now i've got nine now i'll, I'll give you a hint the uh, resistance game on vita that's an easy plat right yeah there. so that's the example though is like i'm not going to play through a game that like i know is easy just to get the trophies if that it makes no sense it's, I an, am, it's an amazing game it, no, it's, a tran- it's, really? it's a transcendent experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i'll pass um, yeah, I, there's no excuse. I'm sorry. It's a broken part of my brain that I would like to get fixed. Maybe there's like a, you know, Spike Jones style solution to that problem. Guys, it, this, this month hasn't been all fun in games. It's been some dark times this month. It's been some rough patches. Uh, there was a, there was a whole craze that like came and went in in the course of the month and that's flappy bird mania i'll tell you it's so funny how this this kind of ties into i think what we were talking about is the first time i uh heard about flappy bird it was my 13 year old sister-in-law telling me like hey did you get flappy bird yet you gotta get on that flappy bird everybody is playing flappy bird and sorry old man you're the last one to find out about it uh, and that was like how it sort of came into my consciousness. What about you guys? Where did you first hear about Flabby Bird? I think it was just memes that I kept seeing. It really, like, it's so weird because, like, normally we hear about games because we get a press email or there's an event or whatever. 
But this was like, it really felt like I was the last person to hear grass, about this game. It's grassroots. You know what it was? Um, my explanation for this phenomenon, um, it reminds me of when I was 15 and everybody was starting to get those Nokia phones um, and they had Snake on them. Yeah. And literally everybody at my high school was playing Snake. Like every lunch break, everyone was playing Snake, not because it was an especially good game, but because like... In almost like we a self-acknowledging form of silliness, like we treasured our high scores. Like it almost became like a joking way of ranking your peers was based on their snake score. And I really, really, really do think it was like this sort of weird derivative of score chasing that like people would talk to their friends and be like, "Oh yeah, I've made it through fifty-three pipes. What's up?" I really is, do think that that played into it. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I know people at the Verge like are obsessed about it and fight over high scores. My experience playing it was literally I downloaded it, I played it for 30 seconds. I'm like, this is bullshit and not fun, and I haven't played. So I'm going to play it for two days straight until I get all the achievements. <laughs> no, I haven't played it since. So like. What's fascinating is it really is not a well-made game. It's frankly, you know, I don't think that's true. I, I think that's I don't think really? that's true at all. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You think it's, it's not a, a it's game? not an especially like I don't think it's deep or complex game, but yeah, it's yeah. It's one. I, mean, uh, I don't think it, anything that gets that many people playing it um, can be like I don't know. I, I it just seems weird to call it bad. Because so many people obviously connected to it in some way. I think just the fact that it's a game that threw you into it immediately and took like four seconds to, you know, have a session of it. it and there's not many other games like that. I, I don't know. I, I think there's obviously something to it. And we actually saw a lot. Of, it's really interesting. We saw a lot of Flappy Birds clones oh, yeah. after the game was, was released. Or the game was pulled actually because its creator uh, kind of took, took it down. He was he, 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 was he had a bit of a freak out. I think uh, a bit of a nutty, sort of a multi-day nutty. Uh, well, he, he, I mean, I I don't think it, the whole situation is like we're talking in some sort of moon language. Like he was making fifty thousand dollars a day off ads, and he was getting like a lot of death threats and bullshit from people online, and like that sucks ass. And that was like a, a logical result of him making this challenging, punishing game, and then it becoming, a, a, you know, beyond his wildest dreams, a huge success that that thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people were playing. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like everybody in this industry puts up with some bullshit online. Um, if you've never had the entire internet angry, let <laughs> man, me say that it's, it is a supremely unpleasant experience. Um, but for fifty stacks a day, dog. Just yeah, that's the thing. Like, Twitter, my dog. That's what I'm saying. Like, why do you just like take a drive and like go into the country and like sleep out under the stars for a week? And or how about for the rest of your life, thousand dollars a day? <laughs> People will forget. Like, Flappy Bird will not be a phenomenon for longer than what, say a month or so. Just fucking ride the wave and then like. Spend that fat cash, yo. Spend Sorry, it. guys. Not every, uh, not everybody's an American. Some of us <laughs> value on things besides money, like dong. What? That was his name. Dong. Um, dong. Oh. 
I, I really like it. We're friends. We're buddies. Okay. There were some Don, really great me. Uh, things that came out of the, the Flappy Jam, the game jam. Uh, Terry Cavanaugh made a really great Flappy Bird game. Um, what, what was the hook there? Uh, you could. There was a dive button also. Ah, oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really, and it had great, like, it had the, uh, similar music and aesthetic style to Super Hexagon. Uh, no, that's what I was actually going to say, is that when we saw a lot of clones emerge, what you realize is that not, not, uh, the simplicity of it is, uh, betrays sort of the sophistication that it takes to make that feel the way that connects with you, like, can ma- make it feel exactly right. Um, and that doesn't happen by chance. You know, it, it may be simple, but it's not uh, it's not easy, I guess, is, is the best. Yeah, I didn't yeah, want to imply did. that it was easy because um, obviously, like, some thought was put into it. I just, I don't know where that switch was where, like, I play a lot of games. I feel like I have pretty good taste in games and know when games are good. I don't know where that switch would have flipped where it was like, oh, yeah, no, this is fun. Like, I don't, I don't get it. It, it uh, the only reason I didn't get terribly obsessed with it is that it lacked a lot, and this is also kind of interesting. Is it lacked a lot of the hooks, uh, on, on that a lot of those mobile games will. You know, there wasn't a button to pay more. There wasn't a lot of like your buddy just got this score. Can't you beat it? It's literally like just a personal. It's a self-flagellation of video game design. Where it's like yeah. I'm, I deserve this. I'm a terrible flapper. Yeah, it's also uh, what it, I think is rare, a free-to-play game that doesn't have micro- microtransactions, as you said, but also isn't, like, designed... It's just, like, that's the whole game. Like, you're sort of seeing everything for the free download, which I think is a pretty rare commodity. Yeah. Generally, if it's a free game, it'll either be a download, a demo or, like, full of microtransactions. Yeah. So I think that's probably part of the reason it did so well. I want to talk about something impressive. You know, we were just, yeah, I guess we're talking about sort of negative community and the internet, you know, kind of shutting the Flappy Bird guy down. I want to talk about something that the internet did that was nice and and together. And that was they beat Pokemon. The internet beat Pokemon this week. I beat this Pokemon, month. big deal. Yeah, but they did it together. So I did it by myself. I, did you guys watch this Twitch Plays Pokemon thing? I watched Maybe. it incessantly, surprising no one. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it really was like an amazing feat that I didn't 100% understand. Like, Griff, Griff you, can you explain yeah, the, what are the Twitch mechanics? Twitch Plays Pokemon uh, was a, a Twitch stream of Pokemon Red that uh, the, the anonymous creator, which I think is fascinating, uh, this guy made... Like a, it was a legit fucking phenomenon. Like millions and millions and millions of people watched it. They broke Twitch chat, like all over. Um, there's some pretty crazy stats that Twitch has been putting out, but still, the creator is anonymous. He created this uh, interface for uh, that would adapt uh, Twitch chat inputs as uh, in-game commands for Pokemon Red. So you would say A, and then it would do it would uh, you know the game would recognize A. Uh, a lot of caveats, though. Uh, there's a there's a native delay in between what you put in the Twitch chat and how it would feed back into the game because there's about 20 seconds of delay uh, between what you're seeing on Twitch and what the person who's playing is actually doing. So because of that, there was a pretty substantial amount of delay. So like really, it would be you would pr- you would type in up and then the game would get your up command 
um, you know, 10 or 20 seconds later, which made things difficult enough as is. Um, but also when there were 80 to 100,000 people in there at, at peak, um, all screaming into the void to try and control this game, the game would, you know, it would accept all of them. <laughs> so it was. So it wasn't a vote. It no, was but like, there was. There a, was so there was a. Right. There were two modes that the game oscillated between. Uh, and this was something that was input, I think, like three or four days into the stream uh, because the creator wanted to add a little bit of complexity and choice into it. So there was democracy mode where uh, it would only input a move every, I think, like 10 or 15 seconds. And so it would calculate. It, it would tabulate how many uh, you know inputs a certain thing had gotten, and would then do that command. So if there were ten people that said up, and ten votes was like the most, then it would move up. You could also chain commands together in that. So you could type like up nine, right three a, and then if enough people did that, then the game would go up nine times, right three times, and hit. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then there was anarchy mode, which is sort of classic. It would just like accept commands those commands are coming in a lot faster than the game can recognize them, right? So really, it was after a frame of animation is over, whatever the first command is that it oh, reads. Oh, I see, yeah. Right, because um, if, if, you know, Ash is moving up, then he can't move down at the same time. So um, it that was still sort of democratic in a way, because, like, if more people are saying up, then it's a better chance that up is going to be the command that it reads whenever it's done with that animation frame. Um, the game was beaten in anarchy mode, and it stayed in anarchy mode for almost the entire time. Oh, the way that you switch between it is, in, in addition to inputting chat commands, uh, if you said democracy or anarchy in the chat, it would move like this meter, um, and the meter had democracy on one side and anarchy on the other, and once it reached a certain point, it would switch command modes. So there were there's a, a progress document that was, um, collaborated on by some of the people who were sort of leading the charge of the game that I recommend that everybody go reads because uh, there were about 17 days of game time and some really fucking fascinating stuff happened. Uh, for instance, somebody, there was, uh, uh, I think a streamer that was like really, really popular on Twitch uh, organized a, a, a movement to get the game into democracy mode. And then once it was in democracy mode, they flooded the channel to... Uh, basically input a chain of commands that would walk Ash to the computer, open up the computer, go to the Pokemon storage system in-game, and then release all the Pokemon. <gasps> so there was a a day called Bloody Sunday <laughs> where, like, 12 or 13 Pokemon were released. Uh, oh and that God. happened that happened pretty frequently throughout. There were movements of people who, like, they needed... So they realized they needed a Pokemon that had Surf so that they could progress through the game. So they got an Eevee, and then Eevee evolves through, you know, the different stones in the game. And if they Naturally. use a Water Stone, then they could get a Vaporeon who could Surf. Sure. Um, Was so, there a conversation going on? Yeah, yeah, or sure. No, there were there were all kinds of movements trying to organize in, in Twitch chat or mostly through, like, external sites because it's really hard to talk when there's, like, 100 people, like, up, down, up, 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 B-A, B-A. Um, so there was this movement trying to get a Vaporeon only... Uh, when it came time to like buy the stone that they needed, they accidentally bought a fire stone and turned no. it into the wrong Pokemon. Uh, and so people started calling this this Flareon. They'd accidentally evolved the false prophet. And there was a religion that formed around him. Uh, and there was like a war to try and keep him in the party and also release him. Uh, and so like throughout the game, like they would spend a lot of time grinding and get this Pokemon, like their their Charmander, who they started out with it was at a pretty high level for the point that they were at in the game. And then somebody managed to get to a PC and release uh, it. 
Um, so like stuff like that kept happening. And what was the helix thing? People oh, making... I mean, the two fossils that you can find in that sure. game are the dome and helix. And there was a lot of internal debate as to which fossil they were going to pick. And huh? helix fossil became the one they picked. And because that was an item that you couldn't release, you couldn't like throw away or use. Because every time like you, they would find an item, like they would find a full revive. Like, great. They're not going to use it ever in the right way. Like someone's right. just going to drop it because they couldn't drop it. <laughs> People would continuously like navigate to the menu accidentally and just keep clicking on that in battle and then oak is like you can't use that you're in a fight it's just a, a fossil uh, but like literally thousands of times like people in battle would try and use the helix fossil and so people started saying you were consulting the helix to learn what to do uh what to do next um so basically so like, it proved that democracy doesn't work. Like democracy when used was used for evil. Was uh, almost always used for evil. Yeah. And, and, and so, anarchy it turns out was what made you a Pokemon master. And it made you look at that like it, it was silly and fucking hilarious like the the organizations that sprung up around it, the religions that sprung up around it. Like that stuff was really really funny. What is it, it it's not funny. It's super fucking fascinating. This guy invented a new way to play video games. It's like yeah. multi-single player. And How like as, happy as, is Twitch? Probably oh, pretty yeah, fucking yeah. happy, yeah. <laughs> because like it makes you think about playing video games in a different way, uh, albeit a pretty silly way, but like the biggest boss battle in the game wasn't the Elite Four, uh, who they actually managed to take down in like a single day. It was uh, a ledge that you have to walk to to get to the end point of the game that affords you a single <laughs> unit of space, you have to walk left basically like 15 or 16 times and then you can get past the ledge. But at any time, if you press down, you jump off the ledge and you have to start over again. And it took them hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And then they made it to the uh, Victory Road, which has like a lot of really high level trainers and Pokemon. And if they died at any time, they'd have to start oh. back at the Pokemon Center and then do ledge again. God. Before they could like even take another run at like, it, it turned things that were not challenging if you're playing it by yourself into like really hilarious events. The other thing, the other thing I think that's notable uh, about Twitch Plus Pokemon is that there is now a har a new hardest thing on earth to explain to my nani. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was yeah. really, really, really fun though. I I kind of want to write like a book about it just because oh like. Oh my gosh! Yeah. It was it was like watching a, a a new constitution be written for a new nation. Like of people, like within three days, there were just warring tribes working. I need I think, that book, Griffin. Why don't you rush that out? Okay, get that written. Get an ebook published. I'll publish um, that out real soon. Get it out there. Uh, but first, let's before you start working the book, why don't you tell me a little bit about plants versus zombies garden warfare? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll talk about my, my game is Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare. I've played it uh, quite a bit. It's a, uh, I guess, budget price is fair to say. Uh, Class-based, team-based shooter. It's $40. 40 bucks. Uh, I don't which, know that it counts as budget price. Well, I mean, compared to most AAA titles. Um, it's out on Xbox One and 360. Uh, I still haven't played the 360 version or know anybody that's played the 360 version. So I don't know how it holds up, um, but I've been playing it on Xbox One. It is a, uh, yeah, it's, it's a class-based shooter. Basically Titanfall. Basically Titanfall, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
it's, it's the teams are plants and zombies as you might imagine and both teams have four different classes you can play as and the classes kind of mirror each other although not like perfectly uh like both cla- both both factions have a, a healer uh class although just sort of the way that those behave are different like the plants have the sunflower who just needs to get near somebody and then can like activate a constant beam of healing that heals them while the zombies have the scientist who sets down like a healing pot that you have to stay close to but you can like set that up on the end of like a hallway you're trying to get through and then you yeah, know you the can heal can... multiple people yeah you can heal multiple so there's people pluses and minuses on right side. um and and it's just it's a really really well balanced game um I, I thought for sure that just because the archetypes were so different between the factions that there would be one that was just sort of natively better than the other. Like, for instance, the plants have a plant called a chomper that can uh, that doesn't have a, a, a ranged attack, really. It has, like, a, a ball of goo it can spit out to slow people down, but it doesn't do, like, a heck of a lot of damage. It doesn't have, like, a gun or anything like that, like basically every other class has. Uh, but if it can get behind an enemy and attack them, it will eat them in one bite. It can also burrow into the ground, and if you can get underneath an enemy like that, you jump up and kill them in, in one bite. Um, and the zombies have, like, a melee class. It has a football player that can sort of dash into people, but it doesn't have that one-hit kill. Like, so plants definitely have this one thing that the other faction just doesn't have. And And there's, like, a lot of that idea going around, but at the same time, like, the game is still really well balanced, I feel like. And there's not, like, a faction that I think I'm better at playing. Um, so, like, the, the core gameplay is really... It feels it feels really nice. It's sort of a different take on a lot of the team-based shooters that, that come out. It's It feels different from a, a, a Call of Duty or Battlefield. It feels a lot closer to the uh, Battlefield Heroes game. I don't know if any of you guys ever messed around with that. Sure. I remember. Is um, it still going? That's a good question. I, th- I think maybe. I think so. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a bit more of a casual take on it. Um, yeah, there's some cool like MOBA e stuff where you can like spawn zombies or mm-hmm. drop down like turret plants that do their own thing. Yeah, um, which I I like that element. I do too. Even though it's weird that that's a consumable item that you can run out of. Um, it is a little weird, but like I yeah, there's no uh, microtransactions in the game. Right, uh, which is weird because there's Yet. an in-game. Yeah, well, there's an in-game store that you can use to. That's what you use to buy those consumable items that let you plant those plants or summon, you know, zombies to help you out. It's also how you get all of the character upgrades, both mechanical and cosmetic. It's also how you unlock new characters, um, and you use all of uh, you. You buy all that stuff with money that you earn just from playing the game. Um, and the consumable I, I, stuff, though, I didn't find. Like, you could buy a, yeah, it's a, the like cheapest thing, consumable things cheapest for thing a thousand buy. coins, which and takes they almost and you get money for planting them, and you also get money for each kill that you get using those yeah. things. So, like, it almost always makes sense to burn through them. Um, it, it it gives you rewards at a, a pretty uh, frequent pace, and it uh, it I I don't know. Like, I, I've really enjoyed unlocking new characters so like the new characters fit into those different archetypes although they add like a one special thing that's specific for that character like i got an electric cactus which handles like the regular cactus class on the plant side which is like a long-ranged artillery class uh only because he's electric his like damage if he lands a hit will arc from enemy to enemy 
So it has like certain instances where that's handy. Like if you're playing the game's co-op horde mode, you can take out a lot of zombies if you can arc your damage like between them. So there are different considerations you have to keep in mind. And there are also for each character, there are upgrades specific to that character that you can find in those packs. Like there, there are thousands of carrots to chase after. Um, and there I, are some I weird like omissions in the game that uh, I, I don't know if it's a negative necessarily, but things that I was wishing for. Um, rather than any sort of like radar per se, you get a uh, a small icon on the horizon. I think when it, it's triggered when an enemy shoots to like let you know the uh, uh, sort of a general location of where they are. There's also um, a I, uh, Overwatch thing that you can use in the basically the game's version of commander mode um, where you get like a top-down view of the battlefield and then uh, you get like a resource that appears over time, but you also collect it whenever somebody on your team gets a kill. And then once you save up enough of that resource, you can like drop an airstrike or you can drop a little radar beacon that will. What is that in? It's in boss mode. Boss mode, yeah. And what's boss mode? Because I was always afraid to trigger that. Yeah, it's like a top down, uh, as Griffin mentioned, commander mode was in battlefield, the battlefield games. And it's like a top down mm-hmm. view of the action. And you could drop things like airstrikes and you can drop like mass mass revives to like heal to like bring your entire team back to life. Hmm. Um, You can also shoot it down if you're on the ground and then they can't use it for a while. The other thing I wasn't crazy about, and I I don't know a good solution for this, but because of there's not a real clear visual language that lets you immediately identify enemy as plant or zombie. Um, You know, you you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not. This isn't a. This isn't a joke. Except that they have. If they have leaves on them, Justin, they're a probably a plant. plant. I'm not. Okay, but I. You have to remember whether or not you're a plant or a zombie. So like, you have to think like, okay, am I a plant or a zombie? Okay, okay. I get what Justin. That thing said. in front of me is. I'm saying in a instant like twitch based shooter scenario, I you would often I, I would often see someone and not like it's not like they're red. It's yeah. not like their icon is a different color. It's not like my reticle changed when I pointed. Like, it, it is... Justin's... It, yeah, I get what you're saying, it, which is to say, like, because the matches maybe take 10 minutes, you're constantly flipping from one to the other, and you really... There are a lot of moments where it's like, uh, I need to remember who I'm playing to remember who the bad guys are. I will, I will give right. you that it doesn't do that thing where, like, red names appear over... I don't think, right? Red names don't appear over your opponents. I think I I might have been wrong about the radical. Your radical might change when you turn on an enemy, but it's nothing like super Compared to like a military shooter where like, oh, their clothes are slightly darker. Like you're a plant or a a bipedal human zombie guy. Like I don't think the visual. But their name also appears in red and you have a a HUD that uh, more of a HUD that lets you know. Like that's an enemy. Like it lets you immediately identify enemies, and th- and that was something I struggled with. But I'm like, it I'm, does seem silly, but I, I get what you're saying. It's I am. I don't know. That who hasn't been think a problem. This game you're is younger for. than I am. Your brain works better. That's like, true. Who who do you think is going to be playing this game? Because I mean, it, it's it looks like a kids and family game, but I I would think most kids who like shooters will see this and be put off by that fact. Like they'll be like, oh, it's a kids game. I'm not gonna play it. Yeah, I, I think I really you're talking don't. about ten-year-olds that, are, or rather, you're talking about like thirteen-year-olds that would rather a mature shooter. I think there's like eight, nine, and ten-year-olds that would want to play this game. Well, okay, and, and also, are, and also twenty-six-year-olds because like I can't fucking stop playing. I think sure. it's that. I think it's that progression hook that's going to be the thing that keeps bringing people back because like it is the perfect game for me to pick up during my lunch break and play and play and play and play, and, play, and then I get enough coins to like buy a pack. 
and then I'll buy that pack and then check out what I got and then stop playing. Like yeah. that that hook to me is it is infallible. Like I will I will keep dipping back in just to do that because it is it is like the very definition of the pick up and play shooter. It, whereas like a game like Call of Duty. I, if I go like a month or so without playing it and then get back in, I have to remember like how, what were my different loadouts? How were I? Yeah. How was I playing those? Lo- like what was my strategy for playing these specific loadouts? Like what weapons am I good with? And this one, it's like oh, this cactus shoots needles. Like I do oh, wonder if there are adults who will play this game too because they can actually play it in front of their kids. Like right, oh, I, yeah. I can throw that on. That's that's not going to do any permanent damage. There's that. Uh, I will give a pro tip to everybody at home. Uh, if you are like me, there's a there's a, a an area called the welcome mat for when you first start playing that is just sort of like a lot of the customization is taken out, and it's basically just like learn the ropes, learn how to play, play against other people who are in theory also beginners. Uh, um, no. no, it doesn't it, work like that. It doesn't work like that, I would say, first off. And secondly, um, it... I'm the sort of person that until I am forced out of an area like that, I, I'm like a baby bird in a nest. I never think that I'm like quite good enough to really fly. So I'll stay in that sort of newbie area for as long as humanly possible. But what I discovered actually after leaving that was that I think the game gets about five times better. Yeah, cause because those custo- first off, you don't have any customization options in one. The customization is huge. And secondly, the, the later maps, I think, and, and it's probably a combination of the map and also player skill, but the welcome mat area is very much sort of a random people running around and shooting at each other. In the, la- in the uh, later stages, it feels more like there are some much more clearly defined choke points, clearly defined like battle areas that are designed for like... Uh, uh, large scale battles to take place where naturally the yeah, flow of players takes you into. In Gardens and Graveyards mode, which is like a, that exactly, like there is an area where people congregate around and then you have to like strategically take it down and you know that you're going to find like a fight if you go to that place. I also yeah. really, really, really like the co-op mode. I really like it a lot. Um, I, I play that probably as much as I play the competitive stuff, just because it's like a it's a really nice take on the horde mode with like good randomization elements and um, really nice rewards and like genuinely exciting moments that happen pretty frequently. Yeah. Um, listen, we're the besties, but we're not the only people who get a say here. Actually, Justin, before reader emails, I wanted to mention something. I actually have the opportunity to represent someone. And uh, I wanted to uh, let them know that they have an opportunity here to sort of uh, let the world know about their abilities. Do you mind if I? Yeah, fine. <sighs> hey, yo, it's me, Planty the Palm Tree. You sound a lot like New York Giraffe, though. No, it's me. Uh, don't you see the leaves? There's leaves on my head. I'm, I'm Planty the Palm Tree. You looking for, to do some DLC with this game? Oh, boy. Not really. We we yeah, actually well, don't make the games. Um, you know that we are, this is like those. No, emails. you made. You were just talking about plants versus zombies. I'm a plant. I'm a palm tree. I I'll, shoot like cannons and stuff. Like we said earlier, we have a really hard time differentiating between plants and other things. So like, you, I have no way of proving that you're actually a palm tree. People can't see this right now, but what just happened is Russ left the room. And then yeah. something that it, it might look kind of like Russ, but dressed as a giraffe, and then that giraffe dressed as a giant palm tree. There's we no way to dress as a palm tree. You are dude. who you are, and I'm a, uh, you know, 
I grow. I sit on the beach. I drop coconuts on people sometimes. And, and if those are zombies, great. If AEA I, is looking to do some DLC, some microtransactions, of course. I mean, let's, Who else let's, would you let's, hire? Let's, let's try to find a silver lining here. Uh, at least he's not a zombie. Because the idea of a rust fresh stick that you can't kill is personally <laughs> very terrifying to me. I just uh, want to say, if you could put in a good word for Planty the palm tree, that's definitely not a giraffe dressed up as a palm tree. Sure. There's really no reason you shouldn't. I guess my main question is, how can you promise to sell virtual goods in a game that a you didn't create and b you have no sort of um ability to affect it now that it is out because you don't work at PopCap or electronic cars no i don't i'm just saying they could use me maybe as an inspiration for some dlc or some microtransactions to add some plants into the game like a palm tree that doesn't currently exist okay what would the palm tree like what's its what's its it's got some coconuts duh because i got coconuts as you can see Uh Uh and it's also got like cannons and stuff okay what are you personally and spots i've got spot i mean no there's no spots what do you (laughs) hope to gain from this because i i can't imagine that you you're doing this out of the kindness of your own heart well, first of all, I'm a talented palm tree, and I uh-huh. want to get my name out there. How is and it? Second, how, how, sorry, how would one sort of quantify or qualify the talent of a tree? A palm tree? Yeah. Charisma, a palm mostly. Tree. How, what, what would cause one Shade? to look at a palm tree and go like, God damn, that's a talented palm tree. How shady is it? How uh, good is it? You know, sitting on the beach looking pretty. You could take pictures of me if you wanted to. Uh, you could put me on box art if you wanted to, like, make a sequel. Game's already out. Just, just well, I'm saying another one and just do it all on palm trees. And you don't even need to hire other palm trees. You just hire me and copy-paste across the whole box art. Yeah, sure. Clone. So I'm just saying, if if they're looking, if you guys know anyone, who John Riccatello, is he still there? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, put in a good word for Planty. He's a palm tree. He's very talented. Uh, just, uh, you can email him. Are you seeking residuals? Royalties? I mean, whatever they could throw me would be appreciated. Am I, I don't think I'm asking for much. I don't need a vig or anything. Can I, you not, just, can I do, I, I need to ask just real quick what a tree needs money for? You know, uh, soil. <laughs> this is also really confusing. I'm, I'm looking at your business card right now, and it just says New York Giraffe at Lycos.com. No. <laughs> That uh, that's my manager. Oh. <laughs> wow, the the mythos gets deeper and richer. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that's not that's my he, that's my representation. Um, he's very uh, expensive. Uh, listen, Planny. Uh, gosh, we're so sorry you have to take off so early. Me, yeah, uh, I'm we, sorry. Like too. Just, just put in a good word. You. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, Don't no bust problem. my balls here. It's all, okay. You have balls now. Uh, coconuts. All right. <laughs> Oh crap! Uh, listen, <laughs> we're the the besties, as I was saying. But we uh, we we get to decide the best games. But we want to give you guys a chance to weigh in on uh, what you thought. We already talked about Bravely Default. Uh, another entry that uh, a couple of you suggested was the Last of Us DLC uh, left behind. Mert said, uh, "Not only is it a continuation of what should have been last year's Game of the Year." Sorry, Mert, incorrect. But it defines what DLC can do for a game and how prequels can add to their predecessors rather than override. Uh, have, any of us, intri- have any of us dipped into this? No, I can't play PS3 games anymore. Wow. 
<laughs> Sorry. I actually don't know if I I can't find my copy right now. So oh, no. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I'm gonna. Have to I I did want to play it. Maybe a re-release. Yeah, like no, I, would be good. I want to dip back in. Definitely. I can't touch the DualShock Three anymore. I've made a rule with myself. I can never use that controller. Such again, a snob. I, I can play through Strider twice, but I can't touch the DualShock. <laughs> Jesus. Lightning Returns is another one that was suggested. Andrew said, even though reviews would suggest otherwise, I found the game to have a deeply rewarding combat system as well as a vast open world for me to explore. So I'm so glad you enjoyed it, Andrew. Uh, so this is just a, a few of the suggestions. If you uh, have a, a game that you would like to suggest as the best game of March when we get around to that uh, episode, you should email us. It's thebesties at polygon.com. And that's how you can uh, get in touch. And if you have an urgent... Wait, is it the besties urgent, or besties at polygon.com? It's just besties at polygon.com. Okay. Not the besties, sorry. Got it. Just besties. Uh, Seth Sievers also suggested Banished. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Griffin loved Banished. That was a good game. Sort of a, a medieval take on, on SimCity where your citizens weren't just sort of like this score-based commodity. They were like also all of the workers in your town. So you had to sort of a lot. You, you had to build, you know, structures in your, in your town to support them and keep them alive. Um, but, you know, not only that, you had to assign them the right tasks to build future structures for keeping more people alive. Like, it was a really, really clever game. I like it a lot. Cool. Any, so, uh, any others, Justin? Uh, no, those are the big ones. There were others that were uh, wrong, <laughs> objectively. But those are, those are the ones that at least uh, made like sense. Like what? No, come sense. on. Give it a fair shake. What? Uh, let's see. Do My favorite game is Renegade X. I love the obscure multiplayer mode from the original Command & Conquer Renegade. It turns out I wasn't alone. A group of fans lovingly and meticulously recreated it and released it for free. And it's been a trip getting to play a better-looking version of a game I devoted hundreds of hours to back in middle school. It's from Clayton. Uh, and What's wrong others? about that? What? No, nothing's wrong with that. That one literally just came in. So, oh, okay. Uh, uh, we also had The Floor is Jelly. Um, oh, yeah, fun. From Matthew. You can find that he said it's a fantastic, beautiful platformer that manages to be sublime because of its simplicity and focus rather than in spite of it. Plus, it has music by Disasterpiece, the com composer so of Fez. So fucking good. Uh, I have not gotten into that one. Is that on Macintosh computers? Can you play that on a Macintosh computer? Uh, I don't remember. I don't know. I think, I think, so. it's, I think it's just Windows PC. Is it? Okay. Um, I'm not 100% so, sure, though. Uh, email us, besties at polygon.com, to tell us your... Uh, favorite games, or if you just want to say hi, that's fine too. Uh, we don't respond to all those emails, but we do read them, or at least I do, so it, it is being seen. Uh, and uh, make sure to tell somebody about the show this week. Um, you can tweet about it, use the the besties hashtag, and, and include a link there. Include a link to our iTunes page, and while you're there, why not leave us a rating or a review uh, and subscribe to the show? That really helps us out when you do that, and Gosh, we sure appreciate it. We sure would like to get up above that four-star rating we're at right now. A lot of people used to not like us very much, and <laughs> we just really like to climb out of that hole that we find ourselves in. Uh, that would that would mean the world. So if you could help us sort of climb out of there, we'll give you regular updates as to what the score is like right now. Doing a quick checkeroo, and hey, we've battled up to four and a half stars. Yeah, right. thank Making you guys. Way. Climbing back up. Oh, do you want uh, to also mention when we will be doing the next episode? Like the schedule? 
Uh, yeah, I think we're going to be sticking to like the first week yeah. of the following month. So in the first week of April, we'll have the best games of March, that kind of thing. So you've got plenty of time to play the, the latest and greatest. Sweet Jesus, what an app that's going to be. March is going to be insane. I'm guessing right now, probably Titanfall, Towerfall, Dark Souls 2, Infamous. Loof trousers. I cannot get talk loof trousers in about there too. Towerfall with you people again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can limit ourselves to four I next week, to be honest. It has I think we're gotten gonna have to... its due. <laughs> uh, this is a new that, game. It's uh, Towerfall Ascension. No, no. <laughs> that and so much more uh, coming up next week. Or sorry, next month for you on the Bessie. So be join us. God, so be <laughs> damn. Please anyway. be please be joining us. The, the podcast, uh, watching, listening, watching and listening. Be, do listen be to joining here. us. My wife, uh, be there for the besties because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Bessie!